Hey there everybody, this is Paul from the Horror Crypt Podcast. Before I get started today in this episode, I want to just take a little bit of time to remember somebody, um, a young girl that I've worked with for many years, at the age of 26, unfortunately took her own life. Now, obviously she was dealing with a lot of issues, um, and I guess she found that the only way out with the issues that she was having was to end her own life. At 26, it's way too young to take her own life. I mean, it's too young to die, period. But uh, it's a very, very, it's a very, very hard thing to cope with and to see someone just disappear. One day they're there, next day they're not. First of all, I just want to make sure that everyone is aware the horror community loves everybody and we have a great community here. Please, if you ever feel suicidal, if you ever feel depressed, whatever, please reach out to a family friend or a relative. Please reach out to a friend of yours please reach out to um, support groups. They've got, we've got a uh, lifeline here in Australia, but your own mental health um, places in any other parts of the world that you come from. Remember, we love you. We love you to be around for a long time. I'm going to also just put out there that my email is always open. I'm never too busy never to answer an email, and I will definitely answer an email. So everyone grab a pen, because I'm going to give you my email address. And I'm going to spell it to make sure that everyone gets it. So it's all one word. Horror, H-O-R-R-O-R, crypt, C-R-Y-P-T-O-Z, which is capitalized, at gmail.com. Please reach out if you need a friend, if you need someone to talk to. I'm never too busy to not answer an email. As I said, this young lady... A really, really lovely girl, but unfortunately things got too much for her and she did take her own life. So in saying that, this episode of The Horror Crypt is dedicated to Lily. Lily, rest in peace. Thanks everyone. Hi there everybody and welcome to another episode of the Horror Crypt Podcast, episode number 30. This week we are going to be reviewing a movie that uh, sort of slipped under the radar for a lot of people and uh, I don't even, don't even really remember how the hell I even found this movie. But it did become one of my favourites that I'd watch uh, from time to time in my video collection. Remember when we had videos, not DVDs and straight to our devices, but yes we had to go to a video store and actually get and rent a DVD, oh sorry, a video, oh my god, a VHS. But anyway, this movie did slip under the radar. It is a really campy comedy horror movie. Um, a lot of people may not have heard this. You can actually see this currently on YouTube. So you can actually uh, see the entirety of the movie. It's not dubbed. It's not subtitled. It's the entire movie. This is the 1986 horror comedy Vamp starring Grace Jones. Yeah, Grace Jones makes a pretty good appearance in this movie, although... Not a whole lot of dialogue, <laughs> I will say. Um, it's a very alternate sort of movie. As I said, this one did slip under the radar, but I did actually thoroughly enjoy this one. I've always, I've always said that. Um, it's got a couple of really, no, 
actors that have done a little you know a couple of little things but sort of like disappeared off the radar no real a-grade celebrities in this in this movie it's really a b-grade uh campy's horror movie but as i said it's actually pretty good to watch um before i get started remember i'm on all social platforms instagram facebook and direct message at horrorcryptoz at gmail.com before though they uh, start to review this movie i love to play the trailer so sit back and relax because here it comes Did you ever have one of those nights? Hey, where are we going? Ah, doesn't matter. What counts is that you're my buddy. <laughs> my day didn't start off too well. We be looking for ya. Are we chumpy tonight? And then... Got worse. We're here. And then, gentlemen, I give you Katrina. You're just what I'm looking for. Why'd you pick on us? It's a mistake. It was a little error there, a little communication error. I'm sorry. Uh oh. Let's just get out of here. This is not really happening. Hello, baby. God, you look awful. What happened to you? I was nearly hung. I got into a fight with a psychotic albino. I ate a cockroach, my best friend disappeared, and then I'm nearly assassinated by a runaway elevator. Anyone can have an off night? This is fantastic! Fab, a comedy with bite. And of course, Grace Jones. So there's not a great deal to this movie. Um, it is starring, as I said, Grace Jones and Chris Makepeace. If anyone actually remembers Chris Makepeace, he actually made his movie debut in the movie called Meatballs with um, Bill Murray as the little kid that was running around the place and doing the long distance running. But other than that, I don't think he's done a great deal of movies. Um, and this one is, as I said, it's a forgettable uh, forgettable movie. It's, I mean, as I said, it slipped under the radar for a lot of people. And I just found it one day at the video store. And I uh, thought I would take that home and because it had a really great cover. It's got, you know, a picture of uh, some lips with um, Vamp behind it. But the, the, uh, the V and the M have got uh, basically vampire teeth. Because this is a vampire movie. That was my attraction to it. And that's why I ran out and, and got it and came home and watched it. And thought it was actually really, really quite good. But uh, it's not one of these movies that I watch religiously all the time. As I said, I was wanting to get this. I was going to buy it through eBay and then found, oh wow, it's actually for free on eBay. Uh, not eBay, through YouTube. So I watched it on YouTube for free. And it was perfect. No dramas at all. This movie, as I said, was uh, released in July the 18th, 1996. It goes for 94 minutes. The budget, okay. $3.3 million and the box office, $4.9 million. So it made its money, but it's not the greatest movie. It's a B-grade horror movie, but it's still, it's campy. It's a little, it, it's fun, but it's one of those movies that there's not a great deal of 
storyline to it. It's just basically just chugs along for 94 minutes. And at the end, you basically sit there and go, eh, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, it was all right, but it is what it is. So the, the plot of the movie, it starts with two college students, Keith and AJ, want to hire a stripper to buy their way into the campus fraternity. So what they basically do is the beginning of the movie, you see um, the opening credits of Vamp. And you see these two people being led, um, it's almost like in handcuffs, but they're not. They've got ropes um, tied by uh, their hands behind their back. And they're being led into a room and they basically get um, a noose put around each other, each's uh, neck. So you've got AJ and you've got Keith. They've both got a noose around each other's neck. And they're standing there ready to be hung. And this, this you hear this very intense music and this very intense guy saying, you know, you are about to have the supreme sacrifice of... You know the, the the chance of immortality, and then you hear this, you know, something going on in the side of the, the, the where they're standing, and it's actually, you know, if you've got an old tape, remember tapes? You know, put into a tape recorder or a cassette recorder, um, and basically when it starts to uh, run up its reel, it goes and goes all over the place. That's what you hear. And so the one of the guys walks over to this tape recorder that's actually on on a um a side table and he's like, oh no! And he's pressing the button. Of course, he undoes the cassette, and of course, the tapes all skewed all over the place. And then you hear this guy going, um, the uh, supreme sacrifice will take place. And you hear, stop, stop, stop! I'd much rather hang than listen to this again. And of course, AJ um, jumps down off of the the uh, where he's where he's about to be hung. Obviously, he was never going to get hung. And uh, it's 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 a, a very very strange scene where he's sitting there talking about the fact that you know you know you've got a big party tonight, and we'd like to join the fraternity. So if there's anything that we can do for you, you know we'll uh, we, we can get in. And of course, the guy goes, "Well, we don't really think you're dips of fire material, but anything." And he goes, "Yeah, anything." And of course, Keith goes, ah, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. And goes over to AJ and goes, I'm very excited about the way this is going. I'm a little concerned about this anything situation. Couldn't you have said a thing or something? And of course, AJ says to Keith, hey, these guys, they're running on empty. Trust me. And then you see the doors open to this campus and he goes, wow, a stripper. And by tonight. And he goes, that's, that's just great. I'd love to see how you're going to get us out of this one. So the next scene, you see AJ and Keith in their dorm room, dorm room and they're, they're AJ's on the phone trying to convince these girls that he's known, um, who are dancers or whatever, to try and uh, strip, you know, for, for to get in the fraternity. Of course, they're all hanging up, you know. And so uh, AJ basically says to Keith, okay, listen, we're going to have to go with a pro. <laughs> and he goes, oh, great, call me when you get back. And he's like, no, 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 you've got to come with me. And he goes, how much money do you have? And he goes, listen, we're quite away from, we're in the middle of nowhere. We've got no way of getting there and they're just not worth it. And then, of course, you know, AJ opens the door and there's these idiots in the hallway letting off fire extinguishers and making a whole lot of noise. And, of course, that's when Keith immediately says, yeah, I've got $94. And, of course, they, they come up with the, the grand total of how much they've got between them. And they go, right, so with this money and a little bit of charm, we should be able to get our stripper. Now we need some wheels. And he goes, ah. Duncan. Duncan's one of these guys where I believe will get along very well in life with everyone doing their own homework and basically he's skating on everyone's accomplishment. And I'll tell you a little bit about that with regards to Back to the Future. Now, if you remember Marty's father and Biff, you know, there's Marty's father doing his home, Biff's homework. And even when he's an adult, there he is doing his, you know, his reports 
to make Biff look good. But of course, you know, there's there's you know Marty's father doing it all for Biff, and it's like it's one of those things where you know he's getting all the accolades, but you're doing all the work. Well, Duncan's the same way. He's very rich. He's got quite a lot of money, um, and he's sitting in this amazing dorm room. Like it is absolutely amazing. And I've never been to college. I don't even know what a dorm room is supposed to look like, but I'm sure the hell it doesn't look like this. But you know, he's got you know six computers or six or eight computers lined up, and there's people doing his homework, and he's. <laughs> He's playing golf, but he's actually just doing like driving. And as he's dri- as he's driving to a fictitious nowhere, there's a guy standing alongside of him, basically commentating of how good his his uh, his uh, you know skills are as far as a massive you know drive down the center of the fairway. And so it really shows you that Duncan's going to get along very very well in this life with just all his accomplishments, which are everyone else's. He's not actually going to you know accomplish anything for himself. Because he's got everyone else doing it. So AJ and Keith go and says, listen, I'd, we, we'd like to work out some arrangements for some transportation. And of course, <laughs> Duncan comes up back with, uh, well, listen, I usually charge the average person. And of course, AJ goes, what, charge? And he goes, how about if there's something, is there anything? And of course, uh, Keith, Keith goes, uh, stop. If there's something that we, we can do for you. And of course, Duncan goes, oh, I already know. Take me with you. And, he, and of course, they both go, well, and he goes, no, no. Just, just be be my friend, and and he, they're both like, well, and he's like, well, just pretend to be my friend, and they're like, um, and he goes, okay, for a week, just pretend to be my friend for a week, and they're like, okay, so if we're gonna get away with having to pay him, then all right, we'll make it that he's our friend for the week. But seriously, I mean, really, come on. So he insists on coming with them to the to scope out the strip club in the nearby city. Now, this is really interesting. They're driving this Cadillac, I love the number plate, one of nine. So you can see he's got quite a lot of money, he's got quite a lot of cars. As they're going through an intersection, um, a car goes to cut them off and they, obviously AJ turns the wheel to get away from the accident that's about to happen and the car just spins and spins and spins. After the spin finishes, they end up in a very shady part of town with, you know, all the, you know, people have closed up all their businesses and it looks like a derelict city. We don't know what city this is. We've got no reference. It could be New York. It could be L.A. We don't know. It doesn't give a point of reference. So in this regard, I don't know what city it is, but it's a shady as shit city. Now, the lighting uh, choices of this movie, I actually went on to um, a documentary about this movie, and they've got a lot of pinks and a lot of uh, blues and a lot of greens um, and a lot of purples. It's basically, it's a psychedelic sort of colors, but it's sort of like a very... um, I don't know how you'd, you'd describe it, but it, it's a very alternate way of, of lighting a set to make it look more ominous than it really is. So even the street view, you know, there's a street view, um, a street scene that, you know, one of the walls is completely psychedelic pink. But it's not psychedelic pink where you'd sit there and go, oh, for fuck's sakes, that's way too much. It's just, it's a very it's a very subtle psychedelic pink, if you understand sort of like what I'm trying to get at. Um, but it's very, it's it's... The, the sets have, have been lit very creepily, so it's it does give you that, that look of um, just being deserted and being just not not real, if you understand. So the three boys find themselves at the club in the shady part of town. Now, before they get to the club, they, uh, they go into a cafe, and uh, the, the, the advertisement of this club is, it's called, you know, um, After Dark Club. And he, uh, AJ says, well, listen, the guy at you know at the counter says the club won't open until after dark. And of course, um, he goes, and Keith goes, so when would that be? And AJ goes, 
well, I don't know. And he goes, well, is it, I mean, it's dark. And he goes, yeah, but is it after dark? And the other guy goes, no, but it definitely is dark. And he goes, well, if we waited like, you know, but after dark could mean morning. And he goes, well, no, that wouldn't be it. And he goes, well, how, how, what time do we know when after dark is? I mean, if we waited a few minutes and then it was be after, you know, it's dark, wait a few minutes, then be after dark, right? And he's like, I guess so. Of course, they've got no idea what's going on. But of course, this guy who's owning the cafe gets dressed up um, as a priest, huge um, crucifix around his, his um, neck, and uh, hurries the guys along. And of course, you know, there's AJ and Keith sitting at a booth, and of course, they call out to Duncan, and Duncan's in the toilet. And they're like, come on, Duncan, let's go. And he goes, I'm going as fast as I can. And of course, he, um, the, the owner closes, you know, puts a clothes sign up on the door. Then this guy walks through and says, you know, uh, he goes, oh, you know, we're closed. Sorry. And he goes, yeah, but you're open now. And walked in and he said, he ordered six coffees. Now, I don't know exactly what the whole aspect around six coffees are because he walks in and two girls walk in. So that could be two coffees each there's i mean they're, they're takeaway cups so they're not really all that huge so it's either that or they've off they've you know got you know two other friends or three other friends sitting in the car so that's six coffees what's the big deal but for some reason this plays a big role at this moment six coffees so what so anyway um keith is basically making eyes at one of the girls who's sitting at the bar um unfortunately this girl's only got three teeth i'm sure she's a great girl <laughs> but she's only got three teeth and, of course, when she smiles at Keith, he immediately um, spits up his coffee. And uh, so this girl does, you know, indicate to this, the guy who came in with him, whose name is Snow, um, that he that she was being disrespected. So he walks over to, to Keith and says, uh, did you see something funny? And, of course, he doesn't answer him. And he does say to AJ, you know, AJ, help me. And, of course, AJ's like, nope, not helping you. And uh, so Snow does say, uh, I think I'm going to let Mavis here cut one of your balls off. And he does, and she does open up the switchblade and starts to take off his shirt buttons. And of course, <laughs> this is when AJ goes, yep, I definitely think it's after dark now. And he does say to Snow, listen, you know, what's, what's, you know, all this over three lousy teeth. And of course, Snow then throws a coffee in AJ's face, wetting his shirt. Now, for some reason, you can't get AJ's shirt wet or you can't mess up his clothes. Because as soon as he does that, you know, Keith immediately goes, uh-oh. So it's almost like, oh shit, something's going to happen. So he does stand up and immediately, you know, he's going to confront um, Snow. He does grab a, and he does grab a hold of um, Snow's balls and pushes him against a jukebox. And basically squeezes until he lets go of this humongous fucking knife that he's got in his hand. Duncan does come out of the bathroom eventually and they, they, they get in the car. And, you know, that's the first encounter they've had of weird people after dark. So they get to the club, and of course, AJ says, listen, I'm going to go in, start scoping out for the girl. You guys go back to school, and, you know, or just wait here in the car. That's better. Wait here in the car. Because Duncan's got a whole idea, which is, you know, I've traveled all this way. I want to go and see some tit. And, of course, you know, Keith like, Keith's like, you know, no, come on, come on, Duncan, come back in the car with me. And, of course, he goes, hey, six coffees. I don't know what that reference is. Six coffees. Who the fuck cares? But I don't know. As I said, some of the, sometimes this movie makes sense. The other time, this movie just doesn't. So anyway, um, <laughs> Duncan and Keith go into the club, and of course, the the uh, the, the person who who runs the club does say, you know, can I see some ID? They immediately go to break out their um, driver's licenses, and of course, he's not interested in that. He grabs uh, Duncan's wallet and sees there's a whole lot of money in there. He's got a whole lot of credit cards, and he's like, ah, good, good, come on in. That's their introduction. <laughs> 
And of course, he does say to to Keith and uh, Duncan, you know, where do you want to see sit bar or table? And of course, Duncan grabs a fifty and goes ringside. And of course, at this moment, this guy goes, oh, thank you sir and that's it they're sitting at uh, ringside of course they do indicate to aj who's sitting at the bar and aj's like oh seriously you guys are in the club as well this is a foreshadowing of what's going to go on so the owner of the club indicates to people that there is going to be a stripper that is going to mesmerize everybody and her name is katrina she's a very surreal artistic stripper and this is the um first appearance of grace jones so the strip, in, the strip show is absolutely, well, they seem to think it's pretty amazing. Uh, I think it was just weird. I mean, very artistic, and I'll give that 100, 100 out of 100. But uh, it was just, it was not what you'd think or expect a strip show to be. But uh, it impresses enough people that AJ even decides that he wants to go back to the dressing room to try and convince her to come and strip at uh, their college party. Of course, you know, he goes in and he, he's, he's, you know, saying that it was a great show and I know you're a professional and I'm willing to pay top dollar and, you know, uh, you know, would you like to come and do an encore performance? She pushes him back onto um, a sofa bed and basically starts to undress him and he's got this idea of like, oh, okay, this is going to happen. All right, you know. Um, of course, at that moment, while she's, you know, kissing him basically from his... Uh, pants line up to his chest he immediately she immediately turns into a vampire holds him down and you know um, basically rips his neck apart and drinks his blood now it was only it was only after i watched this the other day that i realized that this is basically if anyone's seen dusk till dawn harvey Keitel, george clooney um quentin tarantino juliette lewis um this is the original from dusk till dawn because yeah, that movie was a, a, a club, strippers, um, full of vampires. This one, club, strippers, full of vampires. So basically, this is the original from Dusk Till Dawn. This is, our, I believe, where... Not I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm sure they got something from this movie um, and put it into From Dusk Till Dawn. So anyway, AJ's killed. His, his neck's ripped apart and yeah, that's it. So Keith becomes concerned at his friend's delay and gets help from a witness named Amaretto. It's a very it's a strange name. I always thought Amaretto was um, something you eat. <laughs> Who keeps insisting to his confusion that she knows that she knows him. Now Amaretto is only her stage name. Her actual real name is Allison. And the way it starts is that she's walking past. Um, she's she's a um, server and she happens to see Keith and she waves at him and he thinks, oh, this is quite good. A really um, hot blonde is waving at me and she comes over to his table and she goes you don't remember me do you and he's like um and she goes oh it's been a long time but i remember you and of course the owner of the club comes you know like basically says move on you know come on keep serving and that's when she does say oh you know my name is amaretto not really and what will i what can i get for you and she does do the ordering um for them so with the whole thing that AJ has disappeared, you know, he Keith does say, listen, someone took him backstage and he's disappeared. I don't know where, where he's gone. So Amarito, Allison, takes him back and starts to investigate where this guy's gone. It does happen to be that there's a girl called Candy who melts in your mouth and in your hands. Um, might have taken him back to a hotel. So um, Allison decides, listen, I've got to go back to the hotel to grab a change of tops because I'm going to be dancing soon so do you want to come with me so they search the neighborhood and keith is separated from her while trying to escape from both a psychotic albino street gang which is um uh snow 
<laughs> as well as from vampires throughout the area. So, um, you know, when they had left the club, the club owner had rung the hotel and said, listen, they're on their way because it was already, it had already been established that, you know, the vampires only attack people who are transients, who cannot be traced, who are the, the loners, they're the degenerates, they're, they're the ones that, that don't matter if they fall off the planet because no one's looking for them. But unfortunately, because they killed AJ, AJ they, they didn't realize that AJ was with Keith and Duncan, so he can be they, he can be traced. People will come looking for AJ. So that's when the club owner does say to the, uh, rings the, the hotel manager and says, listen, they're on their way, deal with them, kill them when they get there. So unfortunately, through circumstances, yeah, Keith does get separated and does happen to escape the hotel. Unfortunately, the hotel owner was trying to track him down to kill him and of course they missed that situation so <clears throat> well <laughs> so the fact that aj is now dead keith is being hunted as i said not only by vampires by this but by this albino street gang who is hunting him around the place and he jump jumps into a dumpster to try and escape and try and hide from where they are but uh, while hiding in a dumpster he find a he finds aj's discarded body but when he calls the cops and returns to the club to accuse the owner, the vampires have <laughs> resurrected him. Now, I didn't know how they did that. And, and I'm really not sure if that's in any folklore of vampirism. I'm really not sure. I've never seen a vampire be able, be able to kill somebody and then resurrect them. But he does. He resurrects. Someone resurrects AJ back to being, well, human, but not really. He's white as a sheet. But anyway... Um, so of course when he's back at the club, you know, and AJ's there because they'd, they'd return, he'd returned to the club and AJ had, um, made himself known that he was, it was just a joke. He didn't mean to, to, you know, disappear. He just got rolled or he had a bad night, whatever. And of course Keith's like, that's it. You know, we're out of here. You know, we, we forget the fuck the fraternity. We're going home. And of course the owner comes to Keith and says, listen, um, there's some uniformed gentlemen in the back. And he goes, I'm going to look, it's okay. I found my friend. Of course the owner looks at him and goes, yeah, really? And of course, this is where the police are sitting there saying to Keith, um, apparently, you know, your friend likes to flash his money around that in that neighborhood, in this neighborhood, that makes him a meal ticket. And he goes, well, he looked, he looked dead. I thought I saw him in a, in a dumpster. And of course, the other officer goes, yeah, he looks real dead, but clearly he's not. So, you know, um, so that sort of like, that storyline sort of like goes nowhere because there's really nothing, there's nothing going on. I mean, the police officer basically tells Keith, you know, get out of the neighborhood now. I don't like coming down here. It's not a nice part of the a part of the city. Just get the fuck out of here and go home. And he's like, well, that's what I've been trying to do all night. And he goes, look, now. And the owner does say to the police officer, listen, I know you like to catch the last act. So, you know, do you want to come and see the last act? Of course, Duncan, who is a, a right horn bag and after some tail, says, I want to go and catch the last act too. And of course, this is when AJ does say to um, the police officer, you'll never see us in our in this neighborhood again. Unfortunately, as the conversation goes goes backwards and forwards, it makes it, AJ makes it aware that he's now a vampire, and after realizing that Keith will not kill him and is willing to die for him, AJ stakes himself with a piece of broken furniture. So in this regard, he was standing there and he's like, you know, look at me. Does it look real bad? Like, you know, you can't see yourself in the ref in, in the mirror. And he goes, look at my clothes. You know, I'm going to need new clothes. And he's like, well, listen, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll go to the doctors when we get home. And he goes, listen, what, you don't seem to understand this. Home is a million miles away from me now. Home's another planet. And he's like, you know, you carry your next meal, uh, my next meal around with you in your veins. 
and Keith's like, listen, how about you take a little bit now, you know, just to get you through. And, Ke and of course, AJ's like, listen, do I look like a mosquito? No, I can't be trusted. And he says, well, listen, you know, <laughs> and he, go he, go he says he's going to kill him. And Keith goes, listen, can you do me a favor? And he goes, and of course, AJ comes back with the, uh, like for old time's sake, sure, buddy, anything. And he goes, no, 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 just one thing. Please make sure that I don't come back like you. And he's like, do you think I'll like this or like them? They're boring creeps. Have you ever, you know, spoken to one of them? They don't call them the walking dead for nothing. And of course, that's when Keith goes, I am speaking to one like this. <laughs> you know, you are the walking dead. At this moment, you know, AJ does throw him a bit of broken furniture and, and says, basically, take him out. He, you know, he can't live like this. And of course, Keith goes to stab him. And of course, you know, AJ flinches. And that's when Keith decides, listen, I can't kill you. You know, you're my friend. And he's like, seriously, you cannot kill me. Like, you know what I'm about to do, what I can do to you, and you're willing to die for me. And he goes, listen, I just, I can't do it. At that moment, you know, AJ goes to strike and to kill him. But before that, he grabs a hold of the um, the bit of furniture and stakes himself through the heart. So basically, he self-terminates. Um, and Keith's standing there watching this happen. So Keith and Amaretto, remember, Allison, and Duncan flee the club. But their car is rammed by vehicles driven by vampires. Yes, it's pretty exciting. Um, there's a dump truck that's following them, and that, that skewers them uh, through the side of the car. And, of course, the car is, is pretty much getting toasted right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's running on uh, quite a lot of uh, damage at this stage. Um, after escaping, they realize that <laughs> Duncan has turned into a vampire. So a couple of, you know, left and right turns, and, you know, Duncan's being thrown around the back seat. And uh, Keith does say to him, how, how are you doing back there? And because Keith, uh, Duncan says, you know, well, I'm hungry. And of course, Keith looks at Allison and goes, yeah, yeah, he's fine. And he goes, no, 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 I'm starving. And then, of course, this is the, that moment where Duncan launches from the back seat and tries to, to kill both of them because he's now a vampire. Don't know how he became a vampire, but he's one. Um, so they managed to um, crash the car, jump out of the car, leaving Duncan in there. And then the, the car explodes. Duncan's now dead. As I said, the storylines of this movie, they start and then they end very, very quickly. It, as I said, it's a fun movie, but it, it chugs along pretty quickly. It's not one you're going to get invested in any character really whatsoever. And as I said, Grace Jones, um, she, does ha she doesn't have very many lines at all. Most of them are laughing and vampire noises, but she doesn't actually have any verbal, as in speaking roles. Which, you know, is neither here nor there, I guess. But it would be nice if she actually said something, but she doesn't. So they abandon him in the burning car. The pair escape. Uh, they attempt to escape through a sewer as Amaretto breaks down. Now, this is this is what really annoyed me in this whole thing, right? So Keith is not aware of who the hell this girl is. You know, she says, my name is Amaretto, not really. And, of course, you know, she keeps saying to him, when the time is right, I will tell you who I am. And it's like, okay, fair enough. And then as they're running, trying to escape all these vampires and you know, albino street gangs, she stands there, because he, he's trying to get down into the sewer to get away from all this, and she stands on the sewer grate and says, uh, you know, Keith, it's time. And this is the first moment that you think, ah, she's a vampire too. And that's when she goes, I'm Alison. Alison Hicks, remember? I We went to Seaside Heights. I was in your homeroom class, and we were playing Spin the Bottle, and, you know, it landed on Moose, and I was, had to kiss him, but you made it you pushed the bottle and it didn't have to, I didn't have to kiss him. I ended up by kissing you, remember? And he's like, yeah, yeah, uh, you got impeccable timing, really. Because there's, you know, vampires around the place. And she's like, oh, thanks, you know. Um, so now during the whole thing, we need to have some weapons. Keith is very, very good at um, a bow and arrow. 
so they break into a, a sporting goods store and of course he find, I mean originally he was going for um you know a handgun and was saying to Allison you know you're looking for you know can you get some bullets and she's like oh okay and of course she can't find <laughs> find any bullets and this is when um keith's got this whole idea of like maybe allison is a vampire but just hasn't told him yet so he finds the bow and arrow and he, and he points it directly at allison and he says to allison you know get back i am very very good with this and she's like look no fangs really come on and of course he does go you know what's your name what's your real name and of course he's, she's already said her name is allison but of course, he wants he wants to make sure that she's definitely not a vampire. And just at that moment, he launches an arrow. She ducks within a split hair's ass of a second, and it um, skewers a vampire straight through the chest, and the <laughs> vampire dies. And of course, that's when Allison looks at Keith and goes, "Really? Do you think I could be one of those?" And they walk out. So this is where you know the whole thing is coming to an end of the movie, where you know they, they there's a bus that comes around the corner and they go, "Oh, thank God for mass transit!" And they go towards the bus to get on the bus. And of course, there's a vampire driving the bus. So I was like, "Oh, for the love of God!" And then they happen to see a whole lot of vampires starting to surround them. This is when they jump down into the sewer grate and they go back into the sewers. So after they get in the sewer, they discover and burn a nest of vampires because they're trying to find any exit they can to get further and further away from these vampires. That's fine. Allison is grabbed and held hostage by Katrina. Now, as it's going on, um, you know, she disappears from, from where from where Keith is. And he's trying to find where, where she's gone. Like She was only just standing right next to him. And now suddenly... She's gone. And uh, this is when she hear, he hears, you know, Allison's scream. So she, he runs down this hallway and, of course, there's this almost like a blocked off area. And you see Allison come into frame and you think, oh, okay, what the fuck is wrong with her? And then suddenly there's Katrina right alongside of her and she is fucked up. Like, she is vampirism, ready to go, ready to kill. And, of course, you know, Keith's standing there watching what's going on and, you know, pulls the arrow back. And as he's holding the arrow ready to, to let go... His fingers bleeding and it's, and it's bleeding, you know, quite a lot, and it's dripping onto his shoe. And at that moment, you know, Katrina, who is lusting after blood, happens to just let go of Allison for the briefest second, and Keith fires an arrow straight through her mouth and basically pins her to the wall. She's not dead. No, 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 she's not dead. So after an arrow to the face, and being staked in the chest with a pipe, because Allison decides, fuck this, I'm going to grab a a huge pipe and and skewer her through the chest to kill her. That doesn't stop. That does not stop Katrina. Katrina is a very, very old vampire. So, so as Keith's standing there, you know, Allison's trying to get him to to go. You know, come on, let's go, let's go. She's she's trapped there, and of course he knows there's no way that she's going to be there for very for very long. So he happens to look up, and there's a small crack of uh, between the I don't know the sewer grates and um, an open area where the sun can come through. And you can just start to see a beam of light, a beam of sunlight coming through. And he knows that this is basically the last stand. He can stand there and get rid of her. So at this stage, Katrina has now broken off the arrow out of her mouth and has taken the pipe out of her chest and is now approaching Keith. So Keith's standing there basically at the, you know, the showdown. It's going to happen. I'm going to kick your ass. So as she's getting closer and closer to him, he fires an arrow above him breaking open one of the boards and sunlight absolutely streams through and this is where the the big hero moment comes in because he stands directly into the sunlight he is bathed in sun and of course so katrina obviously being a vampire she cannot go near keith 
So he then lifts the arrow up and fires behind her, breaking another board open. So now she is in between two lots of sun. She's in the darkness in the center, and she can't go anywhere. It's either one way or the other way. She's going to die. At this last moment, Keith looks up and fires the arrow directly above her, and sunlight absolutely streams in and disintegrates her, kills her. There is a, um, a bit of a continuity error in this part. I'll see if I can find it in Fun Facts, but... When I saw it, I'm like, oh, shit. You know, but it was 1986. What are you going to do? You know. So um, <laughs> there's a guy who happens to be very much in love with Katrina called Vlad, almost like her bodyguard, which is, and she is really, he's really just loves and adores her. So before they can escape to the surface, they are trapped by Vlad, Katrina's vampire con consort. <laughs> and of course, you know, Keith's trying to get out of the, the sewer grate, so he gets out onto the street. Now the street's bathed in sunlight, and Allison is just about to get out of the, the um out of the sewer and she's grabbed back down. So Keith jumps, you know, back down into the sewer, and of course there's Vlad, this you know, her, the consort, and he says, you know, you killed my Katrina. Now you both must die. And then suddenly AJ from behind stakes him through the chest and drops him to the ground. And of course this is when Keith's like oh, uh, um how? And he says, he says something like, you know, oh, for Micah, go figure. And then he looks towards Allison and he goes, oh, hi, Allison. And she like waves him, waves at him and goes, oh, fuck this, I'm getting out of there. And, and climbs up out of the sewer. And this is when AJ looks at, uh, sorry, this is when Keith looks at AJ and goes, this has been one wacky night. And of course, AJ goes, you're telling me I'm going to need some new clothes here. And he goes, and of course, this is when basically Keith decides that's enough. I've had enough and I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm leaving. As Keith and Allison climb to the surface daylight, in daylight, AJ remains in the sewer, calling out to him idea, uh, to him his ideas to go to night school or to work a job in a graveyard shift. You get to see the street come alive as they're walking away and the credits come up and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Really? Do you really expect me to watch this movie? No, I don't expect you to watch this movie. It was just, uh, it's just one of those really, for me, it's a fun movie to sit there and do absolutely nothing except just zone out um, and watch a movie. It, there's no real story arc to it. There's no character development with it. It's just funny for funny's sake. That's all. Um, as I said, Grace Jones has no lines other than vampire noises and laughing. Um, there's a couple of really cheesy lines in this movie. Um... You know, it, it it is what it is. It's a 1986, you know, movie. <laughs> That's all I can say. Although uh, Roger Ebert gave the film two stars out of four, writing that there were some funny lines and the relationship between the human kid and his best pal, the vampire, is handled with a lot of tw original twists. But the movie finally descends, as so many films do these days, to one of those assembly line endings made up of fights and chases. And so he called the writing and the direction weak and the story so confused that Vamp often seems as silly as the film tries to ridicule. But, you know, that's... It was a good cast and referred to Grace Jones' dance number as a showstopper. Um, but other than that, there wasn't really a huge amount of uh, storyline to it. It was just a funny movie. And it's it, it, it kills... 94 minutes of your life, put it that way. On a scale of one, uh, sorry, on a scale of zero to five buckets of blood, zero being how do I get the last 94 minutes of my life back, to five being it was a perfect movie and I'd watch it immediately again. Um, oh boy, this is a really hard one to do because it's a funny one that I actually like. 
but there are some yeah look i'm going to give it two and a half out of five <laughs> that's all i can do two and a half out of five is pretty and that's being pretty fucking generous i maybe go up to three because you got to see some titty but other than that i can't go any higher than a three <laughs> i'm sorry but anyway it, it's on it's on youtube have a look it's it's a it's fun for fun's sake but uh look before i go let's do paul's fun facts So Grace Jones does not speak a single word in the film. According to Jones, this was her own idea, opting instead to play the role with silent film techniques in inspired by Max Schreck in Nosferatu. Okay, didn't realise that. Ah, this is what I like. Katrina's vampire makeup is based off of Pris from Blade Runner 1982. That's cool. I like that one. Yeah, it does actually look a little bit like Pris. Um, the hair... Is I mean, obviously is a different color, but yeah, the the uh, makeup really does look quite good. Tina Turner was actually considered for the role of Katrina. I wonder exactly how that um that would actually go at the end of the movie. Just as Keith and Allison emerge from the sewer, you can see the Highland Plasma Center blood bank in the background, along with vagrants and a police officer in the parking lot. All of which play major themes in the movie. It could be argued that as they walk off to their future and leaving it all behind them. Hmm. Okay. Don't know about that one. One of the spoilers, and I don't think it's going to really matter that, that great deal, and there is only one spoiler. During the fraternity fake hanging scene at the beginning, the executioner is lip-syncing a speech from a cassette tape. The voice of the speech was provided by Christopher Plummer. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure he leaves that off of his IMDB, sort of like, um, how wonderful I am I, as far as uh, an actor goes. <laughs> Um, some of the quotes was actually really interesting. Duncan, I'm in the mood for love simply because they're naked. Yep, that's one of the quotes. <laughs> um, Vic, who is the club owner, said the builder of major erections, our construction engineer, hard-hatted Hannah. <laughs> I actually didn't realize that, that was uh, she actually had a name, you know? You never, never get to hear any of that. And just one final one, <clears throat> which is an interesting one. In the credits, you get to see there is a statement in the closing credits. Any similarities to persons living, dead, or undead is purely coincidental. That's an interesting end of the movie, because actually I, I haven't gone right past the credits, so I've never actually seen that one. But, you know, as I said, Vamp, 1986, give it a go. It's 94 minutes of just, it's a movie. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much once again for listening to the Horror Crypt Podcast. Remember, I'm on all social platforms and media and you can send me a direct message at horrorcryptoz at gmail.com i hope you guys have a wonderful week come back next week we've got another great movie coming up and as i say every week i'll creep you later mm -hmm.